Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Hey, everybody. Are you excited for Westminster 2021? Join us for a breeder appreciation party on Friday, June 11th, sponsored by Good Dog, Embark Vet, and Trupanion. We'll be outdoors at Hudson Anchor Rooftop, less than 10 minutes away from the Westminster site. There'll be free food, drinks, live music, giveaways from Chris Christensen, Revival Animal Health, and a whole lot more. Plus, you can bring your dogs and celebrate the return of dog shows with lots of your fellow breeders. Check the show notes for more information. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I'm super excited today. My friend, Susan Patterson, who's a breeder advisor with me here at Good Dog, who is a Labrador retriever breeder, who runs a fabulous resource online on the Facebook reproductive community. We're going to talk today about puppy proofing, dog proofing your house. Many of us are finding that the pandemic is affecting our work schedules less, and some of us are going back to work. And some of us have pandemic puppies that we acquired, and now their schedule's changing. So let's talk about how we're going to safely and happily save our house and our puppy. (laughs) Yeah, believe me, I get that. And I too, as a Labrador breeder and Gordon Sutter breeder, have acquired a pandemic puppy. Yes. You have this new miniature long-haired dachshund, right? I do. I got her from a wonderful breeder, Helen Paradise of Paradise (laughs) Dachshunds. And he is the most amazing dachshund. So he embodies everything that we all need to protect our house from. Let's see. He digs, he chews, he retrieves. He barks a little bit, probably. Well, yeah, get a little of that going on, but the Labradors keep him under control, but he needs to explore everything. So he's kind of like the epitome of kind of a Marley in a really cute package. Well, and he's smaller than the dogs you've had before. So that's uh, another consideration. So right now at about five months old, he doesn't even reach the belly of my 12-week-old Gordon Setter. So he kind of runs under everybody, Mm -hmm. which gives puppy proofing an entirely new meaning. Did you know puppies will tear the lining off the underside of a chair if you let them? Mm -hmm. So I will get right into puppy proofing here. As we all yes. my friends, my friend's work computer that just got pulled to the floor this morning by her puppies when she wasn't looking. So yeah, there you go. And my daughter's puppy ate her high speed internet cord, so she had to do. Well, some. we have some serious safety concerns, yeah, and do. this is something that I think it's very important for us to talk about. So, it is. where do we start? So the first place I start when I send puppies home with or I keep is we talk about crate training. And I think that crate training is so important, whether the dog is going to be five pounds full grown or 150 pounds full grown. 
a crate is a safe place. It is where I feed my dogs. Yes. It is got their toys in it. It is warm. It is welcoming. It is not a place for punishment. Yes. Although it can be a place for a timeout if I have things to do, which is why there's toys in there, why it's a good place to be. Which is why it's safe when you exactly. have things to do. If you have to run to the store for a half an hour, if yep. you have to deal with people having the crate as that safe space, that den, his own little yep. space. Yeah, he has. I actually ordered one of those super comfy, fluffy, something I never do for the big dogs. I broke down, ordered two. Something got into me. It was bad. But anyway, so he's got this big fluffy bed. And it is really important that the crate is that place. And it's also the place that when I'm working, if they decide that they want to be a little rambunctious, even the big girls, the 12-year-olds get Mm -hmm. given a bone and time for crate time. So that works out. But when you start with a puppy, the crate is one of the most important things. And I tell people that puppies like children need to earn their space. They become trustable by inch. Yes. And so I allow them to earn their space because They're not sure where potty is or potty isn't. They're not sure what is and what isn't good. So I start with a crate that is sized appropriately because the ordinary average dog does not want to potty in its own bed. So I tell people for the bigger dogs, a 400 size crate, which is 24 by 26 by 36. Can you tell how many of these I bought? (laughs) For a Labrador Gordon puppy, I put a panel right in the middle. Mm -hmm. So that the crate they only buy once can grow with the puppy. When they are in their space, you take them back piece by piece by piece until they're trustable in the crate that they won't find a corner that they have to potty in. And usually within a month or two, they can have the full crate and they're absolutely Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. And that makes a big difference. In the house, puppy poof in the house, I do not give my dogs run of the house until they're trustable. We start in a space that has a tile floor because that's easy to mop up. I also am very careful with, like you and I chuckled about in the beginning, electrical things, cords and outlets. I have five children. I will tell you, I puppy poof the same as I baby poofed. I put the fake plugs into the plugs so that they can't, I have had dogs do strange things. You never know who's going to lick the outlets. (laughs) Window lickers, we've all had them. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like licking that frozen pole outside. Don't do it. Don't do that. Anyway, so I put the plugs in and then I get down on puppy level and Mm -hmm. I look what's hanging, what's dragging, what could be considered a chew toy. And then I make sure that the space that they have is safe for them. And I will use a puppy playpen. I have some super XT yards or an X pen to give the puppy space to play and then let it grow from there if I can't be observing it at all times. I do value my cabinets. While it's cute to have teeth marks on some of my oak kitchen chairs, it's not quite as much fun as it used to be, you know? So I really make sure that I have things in there the puppy can chew on because that's what they're going to want to do and that the puppy can wrestle with and explore. So a lot of fun things for them. And then they start earning space, but it's always under observation. For my guys, it takes almost a year. 
for me to yes. be able to trust them. It's My guys, have... it's two, but I have wire hair pointers and they're much more rambunctious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say that, like you said, the small dachshund is very interesting because God forbid I leave, you know, I should pay him for picking up after me, you know, an athletic sock on the floor, a sneaker, a leather sandal. Mm-hmm. It is automatically his and he brings it to me. Maybe he could be picking up after me. Which is better than him chewing them up and eating them. And so this is some of the things that I think we need to be aware of. Your dog can not only make a mess on your fancy carpet, not only chew up your fancy furniture, your dog can ingest something that could conceivably kill it. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And so this is something you don't even think about. Things like sweaters, where they can chew off a button. I will Mm -hmm. tell you that I had a puppy get a zipper. That was not fun, the end of a zipper. And we did kind of like the baby that eats the penny. We watched poop for 24 hours and fortunately everything came out all right. But yes, it's the little things. And it's also plants. I have all plants up except the fig tree in the back, which no one but the cat likes. But it is true. Lilies are poisonous. You've got to watch for all kinds of plants. You dropped a pill by accident that you didn't realize. Another thing for puppies, absolutely pills, aspirin. And aspirin maybe won't kill them, but an Aleve and a Broxen sodium will. Yep. Candies. Candies Mm -hmm. are another thing. I have grandchildren and nobody here has sugarless things, but if you Mm -hmm. have sugarless things, the xylitol, the sorbitol are very dangerous. Artificial sweeteners are very, very deadly. Artificial sweeteners. And things people don't realize When you take your puppy home, whether it is from a rescue or from a responsible breeder, do yourself the favor and see if you can find the list of things that puppies shouldn't eat. Dogs, not just puppies, but dogs. And they are very easily available online as well as from your vet. And we'll have a link on it here in the podcast. Perfect. Good, 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 good. Because it does make a difference. Because their goal is to explore their environment, test it out, see what the good stuff is. And they're really good at that. And puppy proofing also, if you add a second dog, I think part of puppy proofing is the introduction of your dog to the new dog and recognizing that there is a pack order and old dog always rules. Bringing a new puppy into an existing household. That's exactly what I was talking about. I just did an APET testing where we had one puppy that was inappropriate. Do not let your puppy jump on your older dogs. This is an introduction with manners, and you don't have to make the older dog the babysitter. We need to give everybody some space and learn each other's habits and little things, because Mm -hmm. if we don't, it can create a problem that can be lifelong. And Mm -hmm. that's not fair to either dog. It's easy enough to take the time to introduce. Like you said, pandemic puppies, this is just an interesting case. I think we have more time actually to spend with them Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're doing well and Mm -hmm. they're building a really good bond with us. I think that's really important. I think it is too. And I think as folks start, you know, kids are going back to school now. Some folks are starting to go back into an office type setting. We see this as things start to open more and more. And I think the important part is to understand that that puppy that you've spent all this time with supervising isn't necessarily going to still be a good puppy if you aren't supervising it. Well, I'm going to agree and disagree. 
I think sometimes we humanize things. I think sometimes the dogs would really like to go take a nap and be left alone. And that to be alone for three or four hours before the puppy walker comes is not a bad thing. And I know sometimes my dogs kind of look at me like, really, we have to do this again with you? So I'm very careful to make sure that I don't humanize, that I recognize that dogs do nap a lot during the day, Mm -hmm. that when I was not working from home, my dogs were perfectly fine for four hours till the puppy Mm -hmm. walker came and perfectly fine for the next four hours till I got home. Very excited to see me, but no harm, no foul. And then we had lots of time to go do our walks and do our things. So I'm kind of on the fence about are we creating a problem through humanization or is it something that is basically I just consider a change in routine and we just kind of take a week and get them used to it. So I have perhaps a different perspective on that. Not necessarily either one is wrong. I'm just very conscious when I send a puppy home, one of the things I send my owners home with is the saying that when your dog walks on two legs and brings home a paycheck, please call me because then your dog is in charge. Until then, you're That's in beautiful. Charge. That's beautiful. I have a very similar mindset, as you know. I think that too often, we are more worried about the dog than the dog is worried. Yeah. And that that can start to create a problem. But the most important part is that we make sure that they have a safe play environment. Talk a little bit about, we're talking about crates and crate training. What are your tips for crate training? I'm an every two hour kind of person if I'm going to start with crate training. I think that especially at eight weeks of age, that's pretty much how big the puppy's bladder is, is Mm -hmm. two hours worth especially if you're providing your dog pretty much free access to water. For me, crate training, I suggest stopping water and meals at between six and seven at night so that the puppy has time to eliminate. Last time out is 11 o'clock. You know, this is my humanization. I think that sending a puppy home with the snuggle puppies is great. I also think that the same background music, you know, the ocean sounds or something. Mm -hmm. So it's not this deathly quiet, I'm in the crate by myself, mom. And I think that makes a difference. I also don't hesitate to cover it, make it like a den. So it's very secure. I think that is a highly underrated, and I'd like to definitely emphasize that, that like a birdcage, it is calming. And I actually, with my puppies, start them in a crate when they're seven weeks old. So that when my owners get them home, they know what a dog crate is and they know how to go to sleep in it. And they're not going to scream and cry and throw a big fit. But I would definitely speak to the, if the puppy is crying and you let it out, the puppy has simply trained you to let it out when it cries. And if you don't let it out when it cries, it's going to cry louder because you are not responding to its signals. So this is the conversation I think is super important. Yeah, it's under the category of who has who trained. And I think that's important. And I think we also, as we get used to the puppy, new puppy Mm -hmm. getting used to sounds and signals Mm -hmm. and cues, I think we also can hear the difference between I need to go out now and no one's playing with me. Right. Like an infant, I'm having a temper tantrum. And temper tantrums are a thing in kids and in dogs. 
Oh, and as soon as we feed them, as soon as we feed that tantrum, this is perhaps old school parenting concepts, but. I got five kids. I believe in the old school parenting (laughs) concepts. Yes, you are accountable. You are responsible. But speaking of food and things like that, I also remind people, like we said, with the crate and crate training, they don't spend a whole lot of time in the crate because I have a space where they can be with me and I can watch. And like I said, they could be in the puppy playpen until they earn more space. I've also done with the leash attached to me. So if they make any moves, that that's actually a great one too. I love that one. I like that one. But feeding. Puppies are a lot like, remember growing up with those Play-Doh machines where you put the Play-Doh in and the Play-Doh comes out? Well, with puppies, you put the food in and the poop comes out. It's almost instantaneous sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I feed very close to doors so that they're done. We get about two seconds of play and then it's let's go out. And Mm -hmm. I'm always rewarding potty time, high value, high praise. And I do my best. We've got a space in our yard, not that they don't use other spaces, but a space I prefer and they dominantly use that. And especially for people who only have one dog, they can very easily start with training to a specific space. I love, you mentioned earlier that your dogs eat in the crate. That is how I train my puppies to like the dog crate. You go in your dog crate to get dinner and then you come out of the dog crate to go potty. And you weren't in there very long, but that's how I start. It can continue from there. But that is a great positive reinforcement way for puppies to understand that the dog crate is a good place. Well, and especially if you have a multi-dog household, whether you're a breeder or a pet, the ability for the dog to feel safe while they're eating means you're not going to encourage resource guarding. Yes. And you don't want resource guarding. I have one of my girls who I am her best resource, so she tends to be a little guardy, and we Mm -hmm. nip that in the bud every time she exhibits that. But you have to learn to recognize that there are things that we do as owners that can contribute to their problems, and just be cognizant of it. And so, like you said, feeding in the crate is great. It gives them a confined space, and they let you know when they're done. Mm -hmm. You know, bowl gets clanged against the side, time to go out. They're rather loud about it. (laughs) Well, as I said, it's assist in potty training, which is a high value goal. It assists in crate training, high value goal, and enables if there's more than one dog in the household or if there's a dog and a cat or whatever it is, that everybody has a safe place to be while they eat. I don't like people poking their nose in my food. Don't be stealing my French fries, woman. That's it. Exactly. (laughs) Not without asking. Yeah. So that makes a difference. And the other thing is toys in the crate and puppy proofing your home means appropriate toys. So I think for me, because my dogs are larger, I have actually used some of the Elkhorns. Mm-hmm. I have also used Jack Cheese because my guys are chewers. They make these manufactured, I can't remember, they're like chew forevers that have a scent to them that mm-hmm. are like a nyla bone. Those are good. Boiled beef bones are my very oh, favorite. Yeah. Boiled beef bones. And you can get them with stuffing or you can stuff them yourself. Yep. Puppies, they like to chew. They're teething. There's all of those things. And every time they go and pick up your Manolo Blahnik, you need to take it away and give them this appropriate chew so that they understand, number one, you should have your fancy shoes not where the puppy can get to them. This is part of puppy proofing your house. If you yep. don't want your puppy to pick it up and carry it around, don't leave it where they can get to it. Yep. The other thing, puppy proofing, that just reminded me, scatter rugs. Yes. I can't tell you how many sacrificial rugs we have had 
Because with the older dogs whose steps are not quite as good, they're rubber backing, and I do put them down for them. But with a puppy, they kind of get rolled up and everybody says, okay, we know we don't have slick tile, but rugs are going to be up for a bit while we do this. Mm -hmm. Because puppies do tend to eat, they'll eat, like you said, socks. Uh, blockages are generally one to $2,000, and it's just not something you want to add to the price of your puppy. Puppy Proofing 101 is also, for me, pet insurance. Yes. Because the first two years are when my dogs, I don't know about anybody else's, <laughs> are more than likely to get into trouble requiring that blockage surgery because they ate a stick. That blockage surgery because they... A sock, a, a towel, a rock. Oh, yes. yeah. All that good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So I am a big fan. For everybody, I do have most of my dogs on pet insurance because for me, it makes sense because I live in the Northeast and I love my veterinarians, but not enough to put a whole wing on the <laughs> hospital. On so. the vet clinic, I tell you. Yes. I think that there are many insurance programs, many breeders and even shelters will work with the insurance providers to send a dog home with insurance. And I strongly recommend finding an insurance that works. And in many cases, the insurance company that I personally work with, that premium that I pay when the puppy is a puppy doesn't appreciably change over time. And it is much lower than the one I would have if I had insured the dog as an adult. Yeah, I do send my puppies home with Mm -hmm. the 30 days free. Mm -hmm. And it does make a difference. The other thing is microchipping. Yes. Consider that because there's a lot of people puppy proofing your home means making sure your doors are locked. If you have small children, I have grandchildren who love my dogs dearly. And it's here, Meg, let's go out. And it's like, there they off, (laughs) you know, off to the races they all are. And so a microchip Never mind a collar, because not everybody remembers to put the collar on. But a microchip is a definitive sign of ownership. You can yes. be scanned by the shelter, the police. So there are things that it's not just puppy proofing your home, but it's getting yourself ready for the puppy and then making sure in the first few weeks that you have your crate, your health insurance, your microchip. And then part of puppy proofing. Like you said, as training, I encourage people at 12 weeks to start looking at puppy socialization classes. So they've had four weeks to bond with you. And now it's time to kind of learn some manners Mm -hmm. and learn what other dogs and other people Mm -hmm. are like in a very safe environment. Right. And of course, here at Good Dog Savvy socialization course is outstanding. And I strongly recommend everybody check it out. Oh, I second that. Excellent. Well, I thank you very much, Susan. I think that as we all sort of adjust to the post-pandemic life, our dogs are part of our adjustment. And all of the things that we can do to make ourselves reassured and our dogs comfortable is important. Very much so. And thank you for having me on, Laura. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. 
That is G-O-O-D-D-O-G dot com slash join. Or click the link in the show notes.